0: You're listening to Ecomonics, a Debutify podcast, your resource for one-of-a-kind insights into the world of e-commerce and business in the modern age. This is Joseph. I'll be presenting a wealth of industry knowledge from interviews with successful business people and our own state-of-the-art research. Your time is valuable, so let's go. Good to have you here. So we've talked about e-commerce and we've talked about the back end, and we began paving inroads into the e-commerce back end. Let's keep moving forward with this. What I have prepared for you today are categories and sections, big and small, that make up the backbone of your back end, with some mentioning of the front end where necessary. This episode is not a one-stop solution for every last thing you need to know about back end. Above all else, what you do for yourself will be your best learning experience. What I'll be talking about today will give you a sense of what you need to know, what to do more research on, and some software here or there that you can look into. There are also some tips and insights from various parts of the web. And also, if you haven't checked it out yet, head over to our YouTube beautify channel, where Connor will be guiding you through some specific parts of the e-commerce process that are better done visually. Ready? Let's roll. The first stop on this list is going to be security. There's a hierarchy of motivation you might have studied in school. The lower the motive, the more immediate it is. And people do not strive for higher motivations until previous ones are set. It starts with physiological, or primal, needs. Food, water, warmth, and rest. Rest is debatable. And that I would debate anybody who doesn't think they need rest. I was considering using this chart as a framework for the whole episode, but seeing as how I can't advise you on how to feed others, forget it. The reason I bring it up is to talk about security, which is the next part of the chart. Above that are love, belonging, then esteem, which is prestige and feeling accomplished, Uh, Finishing with self-actualization, to fully realize one's goals in life. Not to brag or anything, but I self-actualized around the age of 17. Felt great, would strongly recommend. Anyways, security is the first part we're going to talk about because without it, none of this works. Every website is obligated to have some level of security. While you may not think your pet blog is a target, it could be infected with malware that can hit others who visit. According to webgility.com, a 2019 article, only 25% of consumers think companies are responsible for handling consumer data, or rather responsible with the handling of customer data. The first line of defense is SSL, Secure Sockets Layer. According to 3dcard.com, it encrypts all the data that passes between the server hosting the website and the browser being used by the visitor. For e-commerce, you need to go a step further and ensure that you are PCI compliant, which protects your customer data from being breached and your website from being hacked. BlueLinkERP.com's article also makes some key points about security. You can always count on mainstream slash corporate media to report on cybersecurity breaches. And don't get me started on crypto. We did an episode on that already, so that's really the main reason why I'm not going to get started on it. Anyways, they continue to expand on PCI compliance, which is broken into three sections. Assessment, which is to take inventory of your company's IT assets and business practices for managing payment card processing, then analyzing them for any vulnerabilities. The second section is to remediate, which is to fix any problems found in the assessment. And finally, report. Gather the data and records required by the PCI data security standards to confirm to the remediation. And then send that information to whichever banks or payment companies you work with. The good news is, because it's so essential, most payment providers and e-commerce platforms have it built in. Going with Debutify, which of course means going with Shopify by extension or I guess rather Debutify is the extension, but let's not spend too much time on semantics, will put your mind at ease. Although nothing is impenetrable, you can count on large operations to prioritize security for you as well as your customers. Interestingly, one of the most important measures to communicate safety is the look and feel of your site. Customers will already feel more taken care of if your copy is grammatically correct, your layout is engaging, and it all loads reasonably quickly. A more direct method, which Debutify can easily solve for you, is a trust badge. It's one of the apps that you can add from one of the 28 that we have so far. One of the other points made about security from 3D Cart is regarding checkout in specific. Once customers are comfortable shopping online, the efficiency in which they can end up ordering something leads to more sales. Personally, it's gotten to the point where my information is already stored on my browser, so all I need to do is enter my security code. You can understand why people might be reluctant to do it. Back when I was first getting paychecks in my late teens... I was reluctant to even go to the ATM. Every second week for, I guess it would be 16 weeks, I'm not entirely sure. Anyways, I would go to the teller and deposit the check in person. It took me a while to warm up to it. Now everything is direct deposit. So these things, they take time. Some other apps I found on the Shopify search include Store Protection Hero, which provides right-click prevention. Good for stopping people from accessing code or images. And also protecting your customer means protecting yourself, which would include an app like Shop Protector which prevents bots from spam filling out forms with fake accounts. A free one called Blockage prevents your store from being visible in certain countries, which might be of use to you if certain countries may be too difficult to service adequately. I should say, one of the best ways to learn what else you might need is to look at apps in the Shopify app store, or wherever else you might set up your store, which I'm not going to recommend because that's competition for you. Anyways, you'll learn a lot about what problems you might encounter based on what problems these apps are made to solve. Now, nothing gets done without having products to sell. And unless you want to jump in blind, you may want to do some research. Here's where end relates to that. First step is you've got to find a product. If you already know what it is you want to offer, that's great. But a lot of our listeners are looking to drop ship. So let's cover what you need to make that happen. You need to be able to research winning products. And the clock is ticking because when you find one, you have to act swiftly to capitalize on it before competition swoops in or if the product has reached its peak. Or if it's no longer able to be sold, let's just say it's a seasonal thing. There is also continued research on any given product. Even once it's put for sale, according to BluelinkERP.com, in regards to pricing and quality products, customers will be constantly comparing prices for the best option possible. And on top of that, you need a pricing structure that's consistent with your brand. But also, able to respond swiftly to issues that might come up from your supplier or competitors. So, an efficient backend is how you quickly make changes to the system to reflect the website. If you're selling hundreds or thousands of products, making changes manually to each one will leave you in the dust. Again, I strongly recommend you check out Connor's work on Debutify YouTube channel. There, we specialize in researching, including specific methods, winning products we've done for you, oh, and Debutify can also provide you with winning products in our premium plans as well. Next, we're going to go through features and functions, and what ones you should expect and become familiar with as the administrator of this operation, Till you get someone to take over, and then you'd have to educate them, assuming they don't already know. You understand. An article from LinkedIn.com slash pulse also refers to the system architecture, which is key to understand the relationship between front end and back end. The article says, and I quote, a system architecture is a high level model or diagram that defines the structure and behavior of a system in tandem with how they work with each other. In the visual they provide, which you can access via the link in the show notes, there is a presentation layer with the multiple brands laid out. All four brands in the example are backed by a services layer, which is connected to a custom brand broker which is connected to a database and an admin who provides each brand their own admin as well. I was tempted to break into song there. If you're uh, from the West, you might know which song I was tempted to break into. Thankfully, I didn't do it. Following up with the system architecture, the article goes on to speak of the e-commerce platform's relationship with the architecture. The platform's main job is to coordinate with all the parts of the architecture, providing information from the presentation layer to the admin or synchronizing with call center software to enable the agent's access to information live. It goes on to talk about web services or APIs an application programming interface. Put another way, the platform isn't just directly connected to the customer. It also needs to be integrated with other systems out there. They point out that e-commerce sites may use Facebook login or they might integrate comments and likes or conversely present their information on these platforms. The reason is because Facebook, Twitter, and Pinterest expose their web services so that our e-commerce platforms can use them. If you integrate shopping feeds, you can export your products onto another channel. The best example 3D Cart points to is Google Shopping, which is a product search engine. It is another method to make your products more visible, and hence, your brand. Shopping feeds are recommended as well for the reason that you can quickly add your products to them while retaining all the included information, prices, star ratings, stock, etc. Another important point comes from 3D Cart. You should think about what you intend for scalability. My aunt makes these tiny clay figurines. They're very cute and cartoony. It takes her a long time to make, but the results are joyous. Her store isn't really made to scale. She also doesn't have a store. I'm trying to talk her into it. Anyways, so if you intend to scale, you need to consider what platform is equipped for your long-term growth. The flip side is true as well. No need to go overboard with enterprise features and be so overwhelmed with options you get dizzy. Not speaking from personal experience or anything. Here are some features in specific that were discussed on an article from hbjamaica.com. Dashboard. As the administrator... You should expect your dashboard to provide an overview of key metrics, items not in stock, information requests, sales and performance metrics, admin management. In specific, you wanna be able to determine what each member of your team can or cannot see. Next, you got meta data control. This is important for website ranking. You need to be able to customize the title tag of every page on your website and create rules for types of pages to handle title tag creation. Put another way, imagine if your store sold thousands of items. You wouldn't want to make each one manually. So rules allow you to optimize product pages all at once. Next is crawler control. A robots.txt file's job is to limit what content search engine crawlers access, in case there's media or files not intended to be made public. So one instance might be if you upload a test image, but it isn't meant to be seen by anybody. If it's tagged, people could still find it. All media uploaded, has a web address associated with it. Even if you don't provide a link, that doesn't stop it from being accessible. Sitemap. A sitemap.xml file is what lets search engines know what are all the pages on your website. Otherwise, they won't be crawled. Tracking code addition and editing. Google Analytics, or Google Website Optimizer, are two options that allow you to add and update tracking code on various pages. You need this to test timelines without needing to get a web developer to step in each time. Store management. Here are some things you should expect from the store management. Being able to edit categories, subcategories, and products with specific details such as colors, sizes, descriptions, and being able to specify what product to feature on the homepage. Order management. The last one, contributed from hbjamaica.com, suggests that you have a comprehensive understanding of the status of sales on the website, shipping orders, and customer information. Inventory management is also factored into backend. What's important here, according to Webgility.com, the easier it is for customers to shop, given that they use multiple devices, sometimes simultaneously, the more they'll participate, as we mentioned earlier. So the moment they encounter a business that doesn't have what they want when they want it, they go elsewhere. Some of the apps on Shopify Search include Order Hive, which automates your e inventory, orders, and shipping management, MerchBee's Low Stock Alert, which I found self-explanatory, and Parabola, which automates reporting and bulk operations without a developer. We also need to touch on sales tax collection. Fair warning, you need to charge your customers the correct sales tax amount on each purchase, as you need to remit your sales tax every year. If you don't, you'll end up having to make a payment that could be pretty big and game-ending. Your e-commerce platform of choice will likely have automatic tax calculations, but just make sure that it's in order. I also am going to touch on SEO for a second here. 3D Cart claims that the majority of online sales begin with someone searching for something on a search engine. Try saying that five times. And they're just about right. But I found another statistic from smartinsights.com who pointed out that 81% of e-commerce activity started with an online search, whereas 90% started by visiting a retail site or store. While I'm at it, 67% used a shopping app, 74% made an online purchase, and 52% made an online purchase on their phone. That was a stat from July 2020. Anyways, SEO is important because when people type in what they're looking for, you want to think carefully about how they would characterize it. 3D Cart also indicates some of the technical elements to SEO, such as URL structure, which stands for Uniform Resource Locator, a.k.a. a web address. It's how the internet knows where a resource like a web page is located in specific. I also wanted to remind you that our episode with Robin Devon Kalandry Calandri and her company, uDroppy, would be another great resource to learn more about backend. And if you don't want to deal with it that much at all, eDroppie might be the place of choice, so give that episode a listen while you're at it. Of course, e-commerce doesn't get done without shipping. And aside from the product itself, it's a reminder that the internet is a resource we use to cultivate our lives but not become it. And that's saying a lot coming from a millennial. So while ordering online is a hassle-free experience from the home, it goes through many hands to reach your doorstep, including shipping. You can integrate shipping carriers directly into your store so that customers can see the shipping costs as their order progresses. This is something that you're really going to want, as a sudden increase in price is the number one cause for cart abandonment. 3D Cart also breaks down the following reasons based off percentage. 44% high shipping costs, 41% not ready to commit, 25% too costly, 24% saving to decide later, 22% were surprised by shipping costs, 14% no guest checkout option, 12% need too much information. 11% checkout is too complicated. As we've talked about in previous episodes and with some of the guests, shipping is something that you always want to have transparent. You can use it as a leverage point so that you can get customers to do other things for you. For instance, ask them to sign up for your newsletter and get free shipping. You'll get people signing up for your newsletter. 3 Card goes on to say, as your business scales upwards, anything you can do to save time is valuable. One shipping integration to look into is being able to print pre-filled labels directly from your dashboard so that you have less of a chance to make a mistake when entering in customers' addresses. You also want to look into tracking numbers. In addition to putting the customer's mind at ease, it'll do the same for yours. See, the deliver notification in particular helps in settling disputes. Payment providers, such as credit cards, will more likely dismiss a chargeback claim by the customer if you can prove it was delivered. WebGility cites a report by Kibo 40% of shoppers say if a company takes more than two days to deliver, that could deter the sale altogether. As your operation scales, you're expected to be able to maintain order fulfillment times, so expanding your supply network includes finding additional warehouses in strategic locations. Moving on, I'm going to address some important functions in relation to some of the more public-facing components, which include social media, email marketing, and partnerships. Social media. I'm continuing to learn as I go. I'd like to think that in a year's time, I'll be supplying even more in-depth information than I imagine possible. So one of the lessons I was taught, recently, to be honest, is that the first place you'll be conducting marketing is Facebook. In order to do so, you'll need to create a business page and connect it to your website. You then need to install the Facebook Pixel, which is a data resource that will help refine where to target your ads. There is also a shop tab, which lets you sell directly to the customers, though me, I'm not 100% sold on that idea. I suppose if some customers are too stubborn to leave Facebook, it'll do. But I would personally advocate for getting people to come to the site for the strength of your brand. 3D Card goes on to say that a Facebook shop is a requirement for selling on Instagram using shoppable posts. The case they make is it's more efficient for Instagram users. If they want to go to the site, they would need to find the link in the bio, which in my words would take 10 seconds, which is an eternity on Instagram. And then there's email marketing. The article talks about this and says, it's one of the most reliable methods available. It keeps you on the minds of customers who've bought from you and those still thinking about it. They provide insights and entertainment first and foremost. Coupons too. Coupons are good. There's a secondary technique known as segmenting, which lets you curate your content based on customers, which you can access via their records. For more on this, I recommend you check out our interview with Casey Chow. And then there's partnerships. While the content is front-end facing, the arrangement certainly isn't. Working with other potential partners behind the scenes on an agreement can mean trading guest blog posts to cross-pollinate audiences. This is where affiliate marketing settles in. For more on that, I recommend checking out our interview with Paul Motley. And by the way, I'm trying my best not to like make a habit of constantly recommending you checking out other content. I just, I was on a roll this episode. Anyways, having done that interview with him, I can't fully express my enthusiasm for the program. The best part, as is stated by the post on 3D Cart, is that you only owe money if it's successful. The affiliate is paid a commission after the sale has been made. Two more things to talk about today. One is going to be a seven-step system for setting up an e-commerce shop from scratch. And the second will be a more specific system known as the phased approach. There are many options on the subject, including many of the people I've spoken to so far, like Ricky, Camille, and Chishir. But let's see what e-commerce CEO.com's Darren DeMatos has to say. Number one, research e-commerce business models. Luckily, thanks to 4 MBA, I'm big on credit where it's due, we've been able to put together a comprehensive list of business models. And stay tuned for the final part of that saga coming soon. The business model research is a discovery period for you to understand what you want to do by seeing how you want to do it. Dropshipping is recommended as a low-cost way to get started. If you invest in your own warehouse up front with products to sell, you're probably going to go the wholesale route. Number two, delve into niche research. You're looking for somewhere between too saturated and not active at all. A, A Goldilocks approach. That part was my addition. The boss man strongly recommends jewelry. It's saturated for sure, but the profit margins are some of the most generous for you. The article in specific advises to pick a product category with a minimum of 1,000 keywords and focus on a niche that does well in social media. Number three, validate the target market, which focuses more on the person you're selling to rather than the product. Having worked in retail, I can tell you firsthand that brands know who they're after, they even give them names. What are their likes and dislikes? how they dress, what music they listen to. The better you know who you're selling to, the easier it will be to target them with your advertising. Number four, register your business and brand name. I registered my sole proprietorship with owner, and that's a personal recommendation for you too if owner serves your country. Within this, it's also time to consider your logo and name, preferably then and not five minutes before meeting with the registrar. Number five, finalize your plan. This is where you need to figure out how much your business will cost to run on a month-to-month basis, and then what you'll need to make to break even. It's also where you'll consider what you'll need as you scale, if you intend to. Number six, create your online store. Naturally, I'll be recommending Debutify once more. Think of this as part of the lock-in business model. If you're listening to this podcast, the best way to get full value out of us is to visit our blog, subscribe to us on YouTube, and use our service. Up to you, of course. Number seven, marketing. In short, if you don't have the money, you can make up for it with schmoozing. Last thing I want to talk about is from multichannelmerchant.com, and it talks about a phased approach. This might be a strategy to deploy if you don't necessarily want to go in right away, guns blazing. The objective here is to transition slowly so that you can learn and discover what could go wrong and integrate systems slowly. The article assumes that a business is currently operating brick and mortar, but we can also collect insights for starting from scratch. Phase one, sell only a subset of items. Presumably, you have more being sold in store, but if you're starting from scratch, sell only a little bit of what you have in mind. At first, you'll be manually entering orders, printing them out and punching them into any existing backend system you'd have, whether that's other software or even a spreadsheet. This means orders would take more time to fulfill, as there's a 24-hour turnaround time from order placed to order fulfilled, not counting shipping and fulfillment. It's also less expensive since you don't need any software yet, but it will cost you in time. The main reason why this might be a good idea is that before you automate something, you should see how it's done by hand. So when automated systems are integrated, you'll know what to do and what could go wrong. Phase two, sell your full product line and begin limited integrations. The benefit here is that rather than find software you think you need and work backwards, you can identify what are the issues in specific you need to handle in specific to your business. The issue, of course, they bring front and center, is wanting to put an end to manually entering orders. The solution, for instance, would be buying an EDI system, which transmits online orders to your catalog order entry software. An EDI, according to edibasics.com, the experts on the subject, is an electronic data interchange, which allows computer-to-computer exchange of business documents. As always, we do recommend Shopify so that you can use Debutify. Some of the apps on Shopify that provide order management and shipping are... Google Shopping Feed, Aftership, Excelify, and QuickBooks Desktop Sync. Some EDI software found on Shopify includes SPS and Stock Sync. Phase three is full integration. This is where your system should be fulfilling online orders seamlessly with the rest of your back end system. The advantages of full web integration are up to date product access, a paper catalog is out of date by the time it's delivered, efficient service, Customers can get the information they want on their own time because they can check their status from their computers or phones. It saves on phone costs since they don't need to call customer service constantly waiting for updates, which is just one of the costs it cuts down on. Labor as well. At this point, the article considers that full backend integration can cost up to $5 million. Again, this is an assumption for larger businesses, but let's finish the read and consider what we can take away. They mention the shopping cart, encouraging selectivity, the transaction engine, which is supporting the shopping cart and has potentially thousands of orders to manage simultaneously, the inventory hooks, because your warehouse inventory database is integrated, you can update stock in real time. This particular integration gets more important the more expensive the product. I can recall situations where there was only six of a product, but nine people placed an order, leading to a net of three apologies. And then there are shipping data links, which keep customers from calling in about shipping updates. Instead, it transmits that information to the customer automatically. And lastly, credit card verification. Without that, it could take two days to verify an order, not something anyone wants to deal with on a Friday. The main takeaway from going through these phases is that the only time you should be held back is when you choose to. If you feel, as I would, that your learning process is better served, putting restrictions on yourself, it gives you more of an opportunity to learn your key lessons before you scale upwards and automate. Anyways, that's it for me today. Thanks again for listening. And as always, feel free to email us with any feedback, questions, concerns, comments, episode ideas, people you want to interview. Maybe you feel like you should be interviewed, whatever it is, podcast at debutify.com. See you next time. Thanks for listening. You might've found this show on many number of platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, or right here on Debutify. Whatever the case, if you enjoy this content and want to help us thrive, please take a few moments to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you think is best. We also want to hear from you. So whether you think you'd be a good guest or want to weigh in on anything related to our show, you can email podcast at Debutify.com or connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Finally, this podcast is created by the passionate team at Debutify. If you're ready to take the plunge into e-commerce or are looking to up your game, head over to debutify.com and see how it can change your life and the lives of many through what you do next.